Welcome to the uh, Mobi Forum podcast on person-to-person payments. My name is Sami Zafar. I'm a partner in Edgar Dunn & Company, which is a strategy consulting firm with a focus on payments. Uh, today I have with me uh, two senior bankers who, in their spare time, also chair the Mobi Forum's expert group on bank disruption. Uh, in this group, we have uh, a very active discussion on potential disruption in banking and in financial services in general that we are seeing, uh, perhaps spearheaded by new technologies and by the um, fintech world. So I will ask the two chairs, Jalal and uh, George, to briefly introduce themselves, and then we will uh, get on with the uh, with the discussion. So would you like to uh, introduce yourself quickly, uh, George? Certainly. Thank you for that. Um, so yeah, my name is uh, George Sherolambus. I head up digital product um, for HSBC UK um, for the retail side of the bank. And effectively, I look after um, all the digital platforms, the mobile banking app, online banking, and uh, all the digital journeys that sit in either of those two channels. Chill out. So hello, uh, my name is Jalal. Uh, I'm from uh, Erste Group, uh, which is one of the leading uh, banks in the in the CE, and it's one of the most innovative banks. Uh, I've been in the banking sector for around 14 years, covering um, uh, different regions, Middle East, uh, uh, Africa, and Europe. Uh, I uh, am from the group Digital Sales, uh, and our main focus in uh, growing uh, digital and digital revenue. Perfect. Thank you very much, guys. So let's get on with the discussion. And um, so person-to-person payments has been in the news over the last couple of years or so and has been uh, quite successful in certain markets, particularly with with, uh, millennials, the younger segments. So um, my first question really is, is this something new or is this you know, uh, a, a service offering that has been around for quite some time. We, you know, you you could always send money to somebody through a bank account. PayPal was always there. So is this something new or is this something old, but in a new format? So maybe Jalal, if you can uh, open with that, possibly. Yeah. Yes, I, uh, I, I agree with you. And uh, in, when we were doing the research, uh, the P2P actually is not something new, but it has been here for years. Uh, for instance, PayPal, PayPal developed their uh, money transfer service in 1999. Uh, we should not forget also that Western Union did the transfer business in 1871. It means it, it's a long time ago. But actually in the past, uh, what we have seen, we have seen players, uh, less players touching the, the P2P uh, as the race was previously on payment. And the race was logical because we as consumers do more payments. So uh, it was the primary space to, for uh, organizations to understand customers, manage their daily life, and earn some revenue. But uh, as the payments got developed and as the payment value chain got crowded, the next logical move was this wave of P2P, uh, which is highly influenced now by two important factors, which is mobile penetration growth and the increasing demand of instant and better experience. So that's actually why now this wave of P2P is, is become more right. relevant and in place. So what, what you're saying is, well, it has been around for a long time. And of course, Western Union 
did this with you know stagecoaches and horses but now what we are talking about are these mobile devices and of course paypal um you know came into being when the internet revolution was taking place back in the late 1990s or the early 2000s but now it's the mobile device that is giving sort of uh, a new life to uh, this phenomenon yeah, I would certainly agree with that, Sammy. And I think um, from from a UK market perspective as well, I think um, there are well-known means of transferring money from one individual to another. There's there's cash, there's checks, there are um, payments that you can make through through desktop banking where you can set up a beneficiary. Then you've got the ability to to pay that individual fairly on a fairly frictionless basis whenever you would like. But I think the the, the opportunity that that was present in the UK was some I think the figure was 12 billion pounds of uh, of social borrowing that was out there where individuals had lent some money to somebody else and uh, they kind of never got it back. So I think there was a there was something kind of untapped there that even though there were ways of transferring money from from person to person there was something else that was that was kind of missing. Um and I think there was this reluctance to share bank details with individuals in order to get your money back through a traditional bill payment initiated through either the mobile app or through desktop banking. So there was a there was an opportunity there that we believed a lot of uns, a lot of um, unpaid borrowing there, social borrowing, um, that kind of warranted some type of frictionless, easy way of, uh, of facilitating the payments. So I think that's the kind of opportunity that we saw in the UK um, prior to the launch of, of, of PayM. So that's the that's the opportunity as you're describing it. But um, since um, you look out of the UK market, um, why is it that in the UK market it hasn't really taken off? Or perhaps it's in early stages, whereas if you look at it in the US with Venmo and Zelle and perhaps in the Nordic markets, uh, it has P2P has uh, over the mobile phone has really been extremely successful. I think I think you raise a really good question there, Sammy. I think um, <laughs> I'm going to go on the side of it. it's it's probably still a bit early yet. And and the reason I'm going to say that is if you if you look at how long it, it took for contactless payments to reach that that tipping point, it was only really when a really killer use case like the, certainly in in the UK market, um, the killer use case around transport for London and and using your contactless card to tap in and out for transit really created that habitual use of tapping a card. And if you look now, there's been double-digit growth, sometimes triple-digit growth in contactless payments um, since that kind of use case was presented. And I think contactless cards have been around since 2006, 2007. So it really has taken quite a number of years um, for that to really become ubiquitous and, and, and something, for, uh, something to create that tipping point. I don't think we're quite there for P2P in the UK yet. As an industry, we collaborated together to provide um, a ubiquitous P2P system leveraging the faster payment infrastructure called PayM, um, which is a great solution. I think it's got pretty much 95% coverage across all of the banks in the UK. So, and it's been around since 2012, 2013, if my memory serves me well. So it's been around a while. It hasn't really taken off. I think there are some things that contribute to that. One of the things I mentioned, that hasn't, I don't believe there's been that tipping point just yet. The second thing is around, I believe, as an industry, we've created some friction around onboarding. So there is a barrier to using PayM in terms of receiving funds. So all of the banks that collaborated put no barriers in terms of sending the payments, which is great. But then they put a barrier around you need to register to receive money through that service. So that creates a friction point. The customer has to do something. And with a lot of customers in the UK, there's a lot of apathy around banking. If it's not frictionless or even invisible, um, you know, I'll get around to it when I fancy doing it type of scenario. So I think a combination of um, 
putting a barrier in the way of using the service, certainly in, in relation to receiving the funds, becomes a bit of a barrier. So if you want to send your friend the money that they borrowed from you, you can send it, but if they haven't registered it, the payment fails, which is not great. Right. The, the, the other thing that hasn't helped is um, some consistency in the naming convention. So Payam was the name that we gave it. Not all of the banks in the UK adopted that same name. So some of them call it pay by contacts. Um, we call it Payam. Um, so the, the naming convention is, isn't consistent. So if I say to you, hey, can I repay you using Payam and you bank with um, a competitor bank, for example, it's called it something different, it doesn't instantly give you any confidence that the money's going to get there. So I think we haven't helped ourselves there, Sammy, I think for those, for those reasons. Right. Barriers around registration, no, no consistency around the naming convention. Yeah, so you need sort of a standardized um, name or a brand, I guess that's what you're saying, so that people know that yeah. you know if you are sending your money to somebody, they're also on the same infrastructure. And then perhaps the service can be called by a different name, uh, but at least people need to know that they belong to the same ecosystem. So, so leading, leading from there, my, my question for both of you is, um, another uh, related uh, criticism was that in the UK, um, this service was embedded within the banking apps on the mobile phone, whereas Venmo in the US um, and perhaps Swish in the Nordic markets um, decided that there should be a separate standalone app for that. So which is the better way of doing it? Or really, is there no better way? So perhaps uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, Jalal, you can go first on that. Yeah, so uh, when we actually uh, did this research, uh, other than there were, there were so many reasons influencing the, the, the success of P2P, uh, some of it related to market readiness, of course, customer trust, or the overall uh, ecosystem. But actually, one of the things which we really identified as key driver was the user experience and this nice packaging of payment at P2P. So uh, uh, having uh, these two packaged uh, in, uh, with, within the platform makes a huge difference. Now, if you talk about standalone or embedding within the app, uh, I think it's about how you do it. So what's the experience? Because the more you put frictions to the process, the, the less effective yeah, but, but, uh, you become. But, but sorry, to, sorry to interrupt, but my, my um, reply to that would be that even if it's embedded in a banking app, you could still have good experience. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a standalone app. I totally agree. Uh, absolutely. That's what I mentioned. So if you would like to embed it, so that's uh, when we did the, the, the research, that's actually the, one of the main conclusions is this. If you would like to embed it uh, in the app, there is no problem, but just you need to provide great user experience, have less, uh, less steps. Uh, and we are, and we, when we talk about today, we are, we are really talking about number of steps to, do the, to, to close the deal on everything we do on every business. So it's not only about P2P, but in anything we do today, it's how many clicks I have to do to, uh, to, to achieve the, the end objective. So it's all about, uh, and in fact, for banks, actually, it's much better uh, to, have, to embed it on, on your, on your uh, application also because you already have a lot of users already using your mobile banking application. So it's really about how you position that within your app, what's the user experience. So that, that's a very key driver for the, for the success. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally, I, I totally agree around um, using the, uh, the, the the core banking app to do that. I'm not a standalone one. I think research tells us that customers don't like multiple apps for multiple use cases. They would prefer to have one app with one one authentication, one password. They can go in and do the things that they would like to do. The the dot jobs they would like to do in inverted commas. I think from my perspective, we already have a mobile banking app that has scale. It has millions of users. They're very engaged. They're logging in six million times every week. Trying to create that sense of scale on a standalone app is really difficult to achieve and really difficult to do. As I mentioned before, there's a lot of apathy in the UK market with customers and their banking needs. It's another point of friction, right? Download a separate app to do this particular use case. And if we can surface it in the right way and get around some of those branding problems that, that Sammy referred to that they've cracked in the US with Venmo and Zelle, if we can get around that in particular issue, if we can get the registration process slicker than what we have it right now, we are working on that, and surfacing different ways of initiating the payments, so you've probably noticed in the, in the press, in First Direct, we have launched the ability to initiate a P2P payment using Siri. So again, it's, it's another... Uh, different type of experience, um, but again, it's embedded in, in the core banking app. So I think for me, Sammy, if we're talking about one app versus two, one app gets my vote all day long purely because the scale is there, the engagement is there. Um, but touching what Jalal said, the experiences have to be nice, and you know we, we are working on that certainly as an industry, an industry level to crack some of the problems and challenges I talked about that's hampered the adoption of the PayM ecosystem specifically around that registration side. Now, what about these uh, big internet companies like, you know, Facebook and others who are now uh, piloting programs where you could do P2P through Facebook Messenger or similar services? Would P2P, whether it's a bank app or it's a standalone app, do you think P2P is going to, uh, at least the front end part of it, will transfer to, um, uh, to such services? Maybe, George, you want to go first there? Yeah, I can certainly see surfacing that use case in, in different places. I think um, if you look at how successful the likes of, of, of WeChat is um, over in, in, in Asia, in China specifically, and this whole concept of you, you're having, uh, you've got group chats, I think that's a great place to surface a P2P payment instrument in, in that context. So if you're in a, in, in a dialogue and you, you're wanting to send some money to one of your friends or, or colleagues in the context of a group chat, which is what we often do, certainly I've got numerous group chats with my friends and colleagues planning for, for, for dinner, going to the cinema, um, you know, we, we agree who's going to pay for something. If we could surface a payment use case in that context, that, that would be awesome. Um, and again, you know, I, I can see that happening. We are actually looking internally at partnering with a fintech that can actually provide that capability to surface a, a secure session within the context of a chat app and expose the payment functionality in that, in that um, social media window to initiate the payment. So I think that is another great use case because you're surfacing the use case in the right place. Imagine if in the context of that group chat, you do want to pay your friend something. Imagine having to multitask out of the, uh, the social chat, logging into your mobile banking app, initiating the payment, then going back in again. Again, friction. If you could do that seamlessly within the confines of that chat, I think that's a great, that's a great use case and something absolutely we should be exploring uh, in the banking industry. I think some of the, uh, the tech players are already slightly ahead of the game there. So I, I think that is a place to play in, um, and I think there's a massive opportunity there. But I, but I think the ordinary consumer might have concerns about security there because I know you mentioned that if a bank, if you actually um, work with a fintech to ensure 
payments over these um, uh, social conversational engines, um, that's different. But if purely I am linking my bank account or a credit card with a social app, uh, I would have uh, security concerns. Um, would you agree with that? Um, perhaps we go to Jalal. So, security is 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 a, is a discussed point for all, for payments also and for everything we do uh, on digital platforms. But I think as we go towards the instant, uh, the world of instant, this uh, security barrier gets uh, gets narrow and, and becomes smaller, uh, or will have less impact. Uh, and if you talk about the big players. Uh, they have already built this reputation, this global reputation, which which gives them uh, easier access to the, uh, to, the to these markets. Uh, and it's uh, it's really uh, all about who who are you dealing with. And if it's instant, then I think that barrier is is really smaller. And that's that's what we have seen also. So the success of of, of WeChat is is really phenomenal. We are talking about 900 million daily users. Uh, it's 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 really a huge number of users. Uh, and, and as we go forward, I think this uh, this uh, consolidation will help also. Right, but uh, sorry, go on, George. No, sorry. I think from my perspective, Sammy, I, I think I think you're absolutely right there. I think one of the re I think it's a great use case. It hasn't really taken off. I think primarily for the reason that you cite. I think customers do have um, they do trust their bank in terms of payments. We've been doing it for, for decades. I think there's this thing around sharing your payment credentials or your payment details with with a, a body that you don't trust. So in the same way as a barrier to customers using um, online banking or using online to actually purchase goods and services, certainly the latter comes off the back of I don't like sharing my card details digitally with anyone because I'm not sure what's going to happen to them. I think that same mindset then may apply actually to sharing your details with uh, you know, a Facebook Messenger or one of the other social um, payment um, providers in the context of making payments. I think there would be an element of, is this, is this safe? I, I don't really trust it. Whereas if we could surface bank, bank strength credentials within that window where the customer knows it's my bank that's actually securing this session and this payment, I think there's a massive opportunity there. But I think they haven't taken off in the context of a, of a a social chat environment, I think predominantly. So I think watch this space, it's coming. Perfect, thank you very much guys. I really enjoyed the uh, conversation. Uh, thank you very much. And um, <clears throat> if uh, people listening to the uh, podcast, they want to participate or um, share their views, they're very welcome to uh, contact Moby Forum. Uh, to see how that can take place. But these are the types of conversations that, uh, thanks to um, uh, you know, experts like Jalal and George, we have it on a very regular basis. So guys, thank you again. Thanks very much.